So the client that I am so proud to share their story is ExxonMobil, that I've had the privilege of working with for over a decade. And I want to build on some of the themes that Melissa shared about making bold moves to transform and move a business. I also want to bring in some themes of Susie, excellent job Susie, really inspired me on how we help leaders coach others to be agile, resilient, and productive. So I want to build on those themes as well and tell you a, a true story that had three big leaps in it, three big leaps. The first leap was when Rex Tillerson came to our sponsor um, at ExxonMobil, Max, and said, Max, I want you to design and deliver. Max is a line leader, by the way, engineering by, by, um, by career. He said, Max, I want you to design and deliver a global leadership development program that ExxonMobil line leaders are going to deliver themselves. And they will be inspirational, they will be coach-like, and they are going to model how to change and inspire behavior in new ways. And Max's eyes were this big, but believe me, he leapt. He leapt so high, he almost hit that ceiling. The next character in our story is Liz. And Liz was a courageous HR leader like yourself. And she said, Rex, seriously, what are you smoking? Actually, she didn't say that to Rex, but she did realize there was a risk here of putting leaders in this situation before they were ready. And Liz realized that this could fail unless they had the skills to truly be coaches around transformational behavior. And so that was the second leap, where Liz advocated and spoke up and really prevent the risks. And she said, we have to develop these leaders to take on this role. And then the third leap was when There must be a trick here. By shake or shimmy. There we go. And then the third leap was when Liz reached out to us as a partner. Um, we had been providing executive coaching services to ExxonMobil for, for over a decade. And Liz realized that the key skill here is to help these faculty line leaders be coaches. And she realized that the immediacy of coaching and the way coaching can really get at the, the full self, the full leader self, the heart and mind, is really the only way we're going to get these leaders ready to deliver this global program. And so that was the third leap. And they really took a risk here as well. Because then we asked them to take one more leap, and that was this, that the participants themselves, the leaders coming in as students and part of the participant class, at some point in the program, we would let them take over the learning itself. They would become the line leaders as well. And the faculty would empower them to coach and develop their colleagues in the program. And that was a huge leap for them to trust that the faculty could give up control to really allow these emerging leaders become coaches of others in this program. So three or four big leaps. The program is primarily about helping leaders transform a culture to be more and more focused and passionate about process safety and reliability. That was the focus. So a little bit about the scope of it, and then I'll tell you how we tried to bring about this change, this transformation. 
is that the program is built around what we call ExxonMobil, the Operations Integrity Management Systems, or OIMS. And this is a philosophy, a technology, a system, a process, values about how to run a business safely and, reliability, and, and, and reliably. And so this is a global program that they are really wanting to have a deeper, deeper um, culture, awareness, and, and really embedded in the culture globally. And there were some mixed levels of assimilation of this mindset and skill set and tool set around running the business reliably and, safe, and safely. And then the program was about transformation. It was to help these leaders move from an intellectual to emotional to a spiritual state of mind. By intellectual, we meant that they were, they believed that this OIMS system, process safety and reliability, were the only way, that they were intellectual, they knew it was right. Emotionally meant the ability to model that, to inspire others. And then the third evolution was to what we called, and they called spiritual, which meant that it was something embodied in your being, like like deep religious values. It, you lived and breathed it. It guided every decision you made. And when people met you and talked to you and you coached others, this spiritual commitment to process safety and reliability, it came through in your language. So the challenge here was the leaders were the vehicle for this inspiration. The leaders had to demonstrate it in all they did. And as you can imagine, there was a lot at stake in the credibility. How many of you were here last year? Wow, totally new group. A colleague of mine, Holly Davis, was here last year and shared a similar case study from ExxonMobil about how we use storytelling to help leaders become more able to tell stories to inspire. And so we tapped into that and used storytelling as another way to give them the ability to move hearts and minds. So, so far, four years in the, um, we've been delivering. We've touched almost 2,000 leaders. Many more years to come as we move from downstream and midstream all the way through upstream. So they'll touch every single middle manager in the company, and it'll be ongoing after that. So a huge scope that continues to come. So let's play Candyland. And I know you can't see this. You will get this document in the deck on the website but there are four main bubbles here, and each bubble depicts part of the participant experience. And so I want to tell you what the four main things were. The first bubble is where the participants, the leaders, encounter a challenge. And the challenge you can think of as the scary forest. In this case, the challenge they were dealing with was a site, a plant, that was unreliable and had not reached the state of, of precision and proactivity they wanted. It was based on a true case or, or a true site, and the leaders were trying to address the situation of the site almost like consultants, almost like they were an improvement team to address this. this. This particular site was a combination or a prototype of many different challenges, and so you, you protected the, 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 um, the, the, the identity of those particular site and its leaders, but it represented many, many challenges. So that was the challenge. Now, something that... Susie talked about earlier was the importance of self-awareness. So you can imagine these leaders come together for a week in a program off-site, and they begin to tackle this challenge. And what do you think the first thing they want to do? They want to get in and solve the problem. And yet the key here to begin to change and change others is self-awareness. So 
The second part of the Candyland was called the Zen Garden, and it created moments in this experience of working on the challenge, on this problem site, moments of reflection, of feedback, feedback between peers, feedback between the coach and the leader, feedback from the faculty member or the line leader who was in charge of the whole experience to the participant. So it's a really rich feedback environment, but feedback not on the results they were looking for, but feedback on how they were impacting others. So everyone in the program or the experience, they were charged with what we call use of self. Everyone was getting in touch with their feelings about how they felt impacted by this leader's message. So if a colleague shared a story about why safety is the only way, how did that story impact me? Did I feel that spiritual, emotional connection? And we gave them tools for colleagues to give real, robust, honest, constructive feedback to each person along the way in the journey. So everyone was receiving feedback along the way. The third area is really what I would call the organizational system. They had to come up with a way to tackle the problem. So we had to put them into teams. We had to put them into work groups, if you will, to tackle the problem. And so they worked in teams, and we did something maybe a little tricky. We created a hierarchy. So there were leaders who were leading team leaders, and team leaders were leading team members on these improvement teams. And this was by design because it replicated the fairly traditional hierarchy that ExxonMobil had. And yet, you couldn't solve the challenge if you did not break through the hierarchy. If you stayed within the hierarchy, and if you stayed within your traditional leadership role, listening to the one above and being directed to the one below, you couldn't solve the problem. So we challenged them to begin to think in more collaborative ways, more transformational leadership ways, in order to solve the problem. And that was extremely difficult. Because we were saying, what you know now about leadership cannot get you out of this particular predicament. And I'll come back to how this is so relevant, these capabilities we targeted to the digital transformation we've been talking about this week. And then the fourth thing were the outcomes. So the challenge is, as they're working on the business's underperforming site, they are coming up with concrete recommendations. Those recommendations will be funneled back into people who can help take those recommendations to the people who, who need them. But at the same time, they really are working on themselves. So there are two main outcomes. One is the product, if you will, the recommendations. And the other outcome is their own self-development and their own ability to learn skills around collaboration, inspiration, and primarily coaching others on these skills. So leader as coach was their main, main takeaway that they should take back to their organizations. So all the work they've done here, the idea is to take it back and replicate this with your teams. So I mentioned the mindset around hierarchical leadership. So imagine, you know, this is how we get things done in most organizations. You have the pyramid, and that works, and this is the mindset these leaders bring to this particular program. But this mindset will not help them solve the challenge. And I think that this, if you've talked about this um, this week, rethinking organizational hierarchies, rethinking how work gets done has been a major theme this week. And so to solve this particular challenge, you really have to move and think 
in more of a network. So to solve the challenge, the leaders have to collaborate across teams. They have to break down silos. If I want to hoard knowledge in my team, I'm going to deprive another group of something essential to solve this challenge at the site. And they learn that expertise or holding your own knowledge to yourself will not work, that the collective enterprise can only win if everyone wins on the team. It's interesting how much hierarchy influences behavior. So once we told them that there was going to be tops, middles, and bottoms, and you had leaders and middle managers and also team members, how that influenced their behavior. Now, remember, they're all peers. They come to this as peers. But if you've been to Psychology 101, you know, when you put people into roles, it changes their behavior. And I can remember moments where the leadership team was in an office, and their peer, who was their peer yesterday, once they were a team member, wouldn't even cross the threshold. They waited for permission to come in. That's how much culture had influenced their behavior. And yet that thinking would never, never prepare them for the challenges ahead. So we're inviting them to break down these traditional mindsets about how leaders get stuff done collaboratively through inspiration and sharing knowledge rather than holding knowledge. That was the primary thing they had to learn. I'll come back to that in a minute. So I think we've been talking a great deal about transparency, trust, and inspiration are kind of key leadership capabilities to really help us through this transformation. I thought that uh, Susie did a great job of talking about how building that trust and transparency that leaders will share with you what you need to know and help you with that fear really fits nicely with this theme. And so I think it's a nice tie-in to the idea of resiliency, agility, and productivity. But we were really targeting these particular capabilities. And these are big, big words and combinations of words by design because they're supposed to, they're trying to bring in the paradoxes and the both ands that leadership is now required to do. Leadership is no longer either or, it's a both and. So for example, short and long-term navigators. In the experience, these leaders have to make decisions now about how to solve the problem However, if they neglect culture, if they neglect the capabilities of people in the room and helping them the skills they need to collaborate and bring people together to solve the problem, they cannot solve the challenge. They have to work for this first polarity or, or paradox. Inspiring mobilizers, what does that mean? As you work with many of these types of engineers and leaders, they are excellent execution in solving problems. However, in this experience, you, that will not get you there to the end. You also have to mobilize others and take them along with you on this journey or you'll never solve the problem. So you have to empower and delegate. You cannot solve the problem on your own. And believe me, this may be the hardest thing for them to do is let go of being the expert and really invite others' wisdom and collective wisdom to solving the particular challenges of this site. Risk-intelligent opportunists, what does that mean? A risk-intelligent opportunist means they manage safety risk and reliability risk vigorously, zero tolerance. However, when it comes to business risk and personal risk, they increase their tolerance. If I can add value to the team by taking a personal risk of stepping forward with courage and making a decision, or stepping forward and telling an inspirational story, that's a personal risk. And I need to take that personal risk to be a transformational leader. That can be hard for them to step forward and kind of own it, 
own the fact that they're there to inspire. And that risk is very different from what I would call operational risk or safety risk, which has to be managed differently. They have to separate those two things in their mind to really be the transformational leader. Courageous decision innovators. This reminds me of Melissa's story, where I think that she and her team were courageous decision innovators. But it's the leader who will step forward, sometimes be a lone voice, sometimes speak truth to power and say, I have an idea. I want to share it with you. I think this can move us forward quickly. But to the second point, they cannot be there in an authoritarian way. As soon as they have their idea and have the confidence to speak it, they've got to be inclusive communicators, get the buy-in, bring others along, be curious, be empathic, and invite people to join them in building out that idea collaboratively. Finally, community we seekers I think that the, all of you, I think, have, have talked proudly about your companies. And I think right now we are challenged in oil and gas sometimes and energy on how we represent our brand to the public. And so there was a big focus here as well in how they deal with external messaging to people who are affected by this troubled site. So we really wanted to make sure there was inclusive communication, not just internally in the company, but externally. How am I doing on How much more minutes do I have? Okay, excellent. So finally, what I want to leave you with are, I think, what the glue that holds this together is that what I would call the leader's need to balance paradoxes, that we can't lead our companies through transformation unless the leader is able to work through certain paradoxes or polarities or conflicts that are inherent to leadership. And you have to help our leaders get out of both and thinking. Now, the experience that we, I've been describing here really brings forth the, oh, the both and. So, for example, short-term results and long-term capability. You can't pick one or the other. You're making decisions now that will help with the future. Careful planning and adapt quickly. Or, as I think someone said earlier, fail quickly and learn quickly. Planning is essential, but... These leaders, these engineers primarily, hold on to these plans as if they are their lifeblood. And the key is, as soon as you see a need to deviate from that plan, you have to let go. You need the plan, but the plan is not rigidly held to. You've got to let go. The next paradox, respect for experience and open to new ideas. These are mixed groups of millennials and people who have come up from operator up to executive, 30 years in the business, There was a lot of, well, in my day, or here's how we do it, the millennial wanting to be heard with their ideas straight out of college sometimes, or graduate school. We have to find a way to blend both the experience and the new fresh ideas. These leaders have to do that. Decrease tolerance for operational risk and increase my personal risk to step forward and be courageous. We've talked about that. Get it done and learn while doing. The challenge brings forth something really important that I have got to be making decisions and executing at the same time as I'm learning how to be inspirational, as I'm learning how to be coach. So you have to create kind of a, a, an environment where leaders are afraid to make mistakes and afraid to fail as they coach others. So learn while doing as we execute is a critical paradox to manage. Structured process and experimentation, OIMS, 
cannot be deviated from. However, if I see a better way to modify this process, I need to bring that forward, offer to find a way to implement or experiment or innovate that design so it can be put into the system. So stepping forward is critical, experiment, but we cannot let go of process. And then finally, self-confidence and humility. It's the leader who can step up and say, I don't know, I'm learning, I'm learning how to coach you on this journey. And at the same time, say that confidently with transparency and own the fact that they're learners as well. And I think that may be one of the key skills to practice. There was a developmental tool that you'll, um, if you want to learn more about this developmental tool, um, I'm not going to cover it today, we're out of time, but there was a key tool to help them be agile on how to use different communication styles. Happy to talk to you about that at the, at the break. I'll be at our, uh, at, our, at our station for right management. And I want to leave you with a final message as we go forward in the day, is that the, so we expect a great deal of transformation and change to, to come through us through digital transformation. Some will be more empowered with decision-making. Some may feel more oversight for management. And we're learning how that's going to play out. In this case, the human interface, hopefully, will be much more safe because we'll have safeguards that come through increased automation and AI. But the human interface with the machine interface is still going to be a challenge. Questions of accountability, what I own, what the team owns, where my job stops, where your job stops, will still be there, even more so with digital transformation. So as we go forward, how can leaders be transparent about the information they're using to make decisions, how they're using information that's collected through digital technology to make decisions? Third, can can the leaders trust them to act in their best interest through this change? Can the leaders trust them to really guide them on how to equip their skills and advance their portfolio? And then third, inspiration, to dive in, to take risks, to experiment with new tools and behaviors, and that they'll be there to help them learn along the way. So thank you.